Welcome to the Community Feedback Loop, a weekly podcast about sharing conversations between people in gaming and esports focused on community, public relations, and how we communicate in the video game industry. I'm Bob Holtzman, the host for the show. I've worked in games since 2007 and founded Co-op Mode Communications, a consultancy that offers public relations for games as a service and the communities who support them. Follow Co-op Mode Communications on LinkedIn. You can connect with me via the links in the episode's description. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Drop a follow on Spotify. Please support the show if you like what we're doing. And on that, let's throw it to our interview. All right. This week's guest has been somebody I've been watching share her approach to community for a few years now. Um, I first noticed her when she was at Kit Fox Games. And more recently, she's on this rocket ride that we call Among Us as community director at Inner Sloth. She's talked about fashion and the value of failure already, and will soon be taking part in the 2021 GDC with her talk, Charm Your Communities. So everybody, please welcome Victoria Tran to the Community Feedback Loop. Hello. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I have to say, you know, um, this is one I was really excited for because I've been able to kind of watch you from a distance, you know, is like, you know, following you on Twitter and seeing all your cool content. And, you know, I just, I think you have such a strong handle on what makes communities work. So when, when I, when Shay and I were started talking about who do we want on the show, you were like one of the first people that came to my mind. So, um, I'm fanboying out, Victoria. <laughs> no, thank you. That's really, that's really nice of you to say. Um, I, yeah, I, I feel very, very grateful that people seem to have connected with the way that I've been trying to do community. So I'm excited to talk about it more. Great. All right. So let's let's start. I called it a rocket ride. Um, my 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 kids play it. Um, my 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 10 year old daughter for Christmas got a friends slash among us sweat hoodie. She wears all the time. My wife's a big friends fan. I'm a big friends fan. Um, and obviously she loves Among Us. So let's talk Among Us because that's what you're working on these days. And, you know, what's that been like, you know, just this journey of joining and, and starting to really set up all the infrastructure for the Among Us community? Yeah, Among Us is a really interesting game and a really interesting position since like, uh, it came out in 2018 and it was like a really small development team, right? It was three people and they were like, okay, cool. Like it came out in 2018. It was fine. It was like, all right, well, nothing super exciting happening with it. Not a ton of people. Uh, so they basically were like, all right, after like, I think January, 2020, they're like, we're done with this game. We're going to move on. We're going to prototype a whole new thing whatever. And then suddenly in like late 2020, like that's when everything started ramping up. Um, and like that whole thing happened. And finally, I think at around September, October, they came to me and were like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to just take this? Do you want to take the entire Among Us community and just handle it? And it's one of those really rare things where like, I can't think of another time where like I would have been approached with like one, like a huge community, right? I think in November, 2020, they had a, almost uh, half a billion players. Um, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> and, and they were just like, here, take it, do whatever you want with it. Because it, at that point it was just those three and me, and we were working with different partners to obviously help out like 
sort out this entire rocket ride, as you say. Um, but I was really given like the reins to do whatever I wanted with the community. So yeah, it was a really unique and interesting opportunity that I got. Okay, so um, you're launching Among Us social channels. I, I would say they're like the, it's like the the social network that spawned a million memes, uh, maybe more <laughs> with 500 million players, probably a lot more actually. Um, so, and you, you've been working with indie gamers for a little while now. What was it like for you when you got the opportunity and then we're like, okay, this is, the scale is going to be a lot different. What, what have you learned about the scale of going from what, what I mean, you, you built great communities. I'm not knocking you. your prior work, but <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, there's clearly a, a scale difference between what is it? Mm -hmm. Boyfriend dungeon and mm -hmm. among us. Yeah, no, I think that that was definitely the thing. It's just like figuring out how to work at scale was a super interesting problem to have. Like, for example, in Discord, uh, we had at the time I joined like 700,000 members and it was at max capacity. Oh, 800,000 members. It was at max capacity. And in that kind of space, like you can't have like kind of the cozy vibes that normally you would have with like a smaller Discord. Uh, and also things break all the time. Like all the bots that we had breaks whatever and like with the twitter or with the tiktok it's like literally anything i post uh hyper analyzed and i can't delete anything because if i delete something then that becomes an even bigger issue because <laughs> they're like why did you delete this we have screenshots i've signed up for notifications for your tweets and i was like oh no <laughs> um but the, i think the interesting thing is is that it at first it was really scary but over time it got uh, much better and I got used to it and you know you get kind of get into the flow of things and one of the things that I found really helpful I guess was just really thinking about not using the accounts as like you know growth channels or or anything like that but really to find the core audience to find our core advocates and really kind of think about the sustainability of the community rather than just like hopping on like oh my god we're a huge game and look at all these memes and like some of the memes were hilarious and I think they're yes. great, but like really thinking about like, okay, um, can I think beyond like the most obvious thing that would get us the most viral and think more about, okay, long-term, how do I want this to work out? How do I want people to talk to us and that sort of thing? So you're touching on something that I, I know is a big tenant for me and it's probably why I don't do a ton of social media work like in my day job. Like I tend to be mm -hmm. more on the like, what do I need these developers to say or more traditional media relations work? Um, and, and the reason why is I feel like to really nail social, you have to start with engagement like it and, and not mm -hmm. engagement like, hey, I'm going to make this funny meme and and market it, market this thing to you. Like, that's cool. I, I don't think there's there. I think there's definitely a place for that. But it's kind of like what you were just touching on, which is this idea that um, how do we create a conversation? Um, how do we use these spaces for what they're for? I mean, that's really what they're there for. They're there to converse. And so, you know, when you talk about that, is there anything you had to change in your approach um, from going from like, hey, I'm just going to bomb memes to like, I'm going to be more deliberate with the kind of meme that I will, um, you know, place into this community mm -hmm. and, and watch it fester as a... A garden. I'm using a bad <laughs> yeah, for sure. I I kind of consider 
um, like the ways I interact with the community, whether it's through like Among Us or like whether it's through me as like interacting in a Discord or whatever, as like, as much as I kind of hate it, like how I want people to act, like I'm the role model for that, right? So the kinds of jokes I make, those are the things that people are like, that's acceptable. Um, the kinds of ways I like bounce off humor, like that's acceptable. Um, I try to keep that in mind a lot. And especially, uh, kind of like I have these sort of rules, right? So I think um, as much as like, I'm the one person like, you know, who runs the social media accounts and I know I'm a single person and people who pay attention to Among Us know I'm a single person. I try to remember that if you were to just come into the Among Us community and see it like by itself in a vacuum, then what kind of person would you think that person is? So I try to keep that in mind a lot. And it's, and I know that it's like sort of a position of power, right? So that's why it's like, punching down to me, like making fun of someone because they like I can I don't mind poking fun at like something someone says, but I would never try to attack the person like the actual person because I find that just horrible, especially when you are like, you know, a brand account with a lot of followers and you know, a community that may or may not jump in to defend you and things. So I try to keep that in mind and really consider like, you know, all the repercussions that come with having an audience. I, I I think there's a lot of power to that. And it's, it's kind of the responsibility, right? Like there's this, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, a huge Spider-Man fan here, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> I guess what, what, what I want to ask you is, um, okay. So you're, you're trying to set like kind of this like direction as the, the, mm-hmm. the, the leader quote unquote. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk a little I want to get a little granular. I want to learn a little bit here from you. How do you carry that into like Discord? And do you use moderators and are they um, community moderators? Or like, you know, how do you kind of, when you're looking at your Discord channel and, and you know, 800,000 people, that's, that can't be a one one person job, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, how do you manage that? And, and w- how do you work with moderators, whether they're of the community or somebody you hire, you know, what's kind of your approach with that? Yeah, it's kind of like, I've honestly, what I will say is that moderators, the backbone, the backbone of every community, no community manager would survive without moderators. The entire games industry would fall apart if we did not have moderators, is what I will say. They're like the front line of service, right? They truly are. And it's like, it's wild. They're so smart and so good. And oh, I would, I would die. every time I talk about our moderators, I just like want to die. I'm like, so, so happy about them. Anyways, <laughs> all I have to say is that we do have community moderators. Um, and they, yeah, they're, they're just like, they're people who we trust. And I think that's like the biggest thing, right? It's like, if you aren't able to find people in your community that you trust and that you can interact with, like that kind of says something else. Um, but I will say, like, I think all of the strength and all of the kinds of ways we interact with the community, that is highly affected by uh, our Discord moderators. If we're specifically talking about Discord, just because like clearly, like I can't be everywhere at once and Discord is a constant thing um, that we, we definitely owe a lot to the moderators for really picking up on like the kinds of vibe that we want, like the kinds of people that we are in our values and pretty much enacting it. Okay, so we talked about Discord. We talked about, um, I, I, I want to talk about some other social platforms with you. Um, 
social media, like I said, it's like something I can, I, I feel like I'm dangerous. And I, I know enough to be dangerous, right? But like, I, I don't <laughs> tend to work on it day to day. So mm-hmm. I find it, you know, like I love to learn from from people like you who are like day to day creating really cool content on these social platforms. Um, so let's talk about, let's go back. You talked about how Twitch kind of spawned this rocket ride, right? They were the the mm-hmm. the, the engine fuel that that yeah. burst among us from an uh, indie game that nobody really knew to a game <laughs> that everybody, like, you know, half a million people or half a billion people mm-hmm. play. Um, mm-hmm. What what are, what's kind of your approach now with Twitch, and what are you doing to sort of kind of keep some of the love on that platform or with other streamers and YouTubers um, alive? Yeah, I mean, I think it's so much of it, right? It's just um, remembering that there are people and just forming relationships with them. I don't, I do not expect Twitch streamers to be constantly playing Among Us. I think that would be quite strange, right? Like Among Us isn't really in every single day like you play it. Some people do, which is really cool. Um, but it is like a game where, you know, you bring together friends and that's totally fine. Like we want to encourage people to play other games and have fun with it. I think the ways that we've we're kind of working with influencers and talking to them is one, like obviously just maintaining the relationship and supporting them however we can, whether it's like small or like very large streamers, but also like within um, our game design, like, you know, thinking about like, oh, like what are the things that we can like update the game to make it more streamer friendly, but also um, encouraging more mods and encouraging the community to just create. Like I know um, one streamer, Five Ups, he recently created with a team um, an underwater map, which was really cool. Um, and just like supporting them and not like you know trying to shut it down or anything has been a really huge uh, boon for us. It's so funny because we just had a, um, a conversation with somebody who works for Mod.io, Andy Swanson, and we talked a lot about modding. I worked on Kerbal Space Program. The modding community mm. was um, uh, a really important part of that game's growth and development. Um, when we get to the failure part of this conversation, I'll share some of my failures for that community with you and the audience today. They've probably already heard it because I talk about it all the time. Um, but um, okay, one more platform. I'm going to let Shay talk about this one though, because <laughs> like I, I totally uh, appreciate what TikTok's doing, but I thought Vine died, and and I'm and now I'm like, no, this new version has like the algorithm sent from heaven for uh, engagement. Yeah. So, okay. I'm taking the question from here, I guess now. So I'm a huge uh, TikTok fan and I think that it's the best. It's my favorite gaming content through social media. Personally, I'm a little biased, but it is. And Among Us is one of the few games that actually has the, their like main account is pumping out content and is having a lot of success. What's been the value for you guys in doing that and focusing on TikTok as a platform? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love TikTok. <laughs> I love it yes. so much. <laughs> the algorithm's great. Like the community's great. Yeah, it's wild. And I think that's that's part of it, right? Like so much. And I mean, this was even bigger when I like I was working with smaller indie games. But the fact that it is such an amazing platform for discoverability, I think. And I think the for Among Us, like the benefit of being there is honestly just being a part of like culture like it's that kind of thing i think tiktok moves 
culture quite a bit right it like it's it helps create things it helps um have things like catch on whether it's music whether it's like dance trends like that sort of thing um and also it's like not stuck in a bubble of i think a lot of the time like twitter is a bubble facebook instagram are now like you know also forming that bubble and a lot of people who are on facebook they're maybe probably on twitter they're probably on instagram and tiktok is kind of this like newer ones similar to almost to snapchat except better for discover discoverability because i don't think anyone really used snapchat for discoverability um it's kind of created this whole new like um group of people who are interested in discovering content and who aren't like on any other social platform necessarily or like checking it quite frequently um so i think i find a lot of um value there and also just honestly engaging with the community there so I don't, I don't use TikTok, but what's funny is I'm, I've gotten, Instagram is kind of my go-to social for like personal use, like Mm -hmm. Twitter, maybe more so for like gaming. And I totally agree. Like Twitter is such a bubble. I, I, Mm -hmm. I have this, like, I have like this cycle with Twitter where I think I have to be on it and then it makes me hate it. And so then I turn away from it for like a month (laughs) and then I, oh no, I have to be there for work. And it's like this. Right. It's like this constant cycle of like, why do I do this to myself? And it's like, well, we're communicators and Twitter, even though it's a bubble, it is a relevant bubble, especially in our Mm -hmm. industry. But I see a lot of the. It's funny. I see so much of the TikTok content on Instagram and I'm like always giggling, you know, it's. But the thing is, the TikTok content you see on Instagram is like months old. Right. Because by the time it reaches Instagram, it's like TikTok's done. They've moved on. (laughs) Right. Which like totally makes sense for like, if you knew me personally, I'm never the early adopter. I'm like always the like, like almost by design. I'm like, no, 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 no. You guys all fix it. You beta test it. Like. Fair. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's so funny. I'll, I'll work with indie developers and they'll be like, I'll be like, I have to play your game. And then I'll play it for like an hour and be like, why did I have to play this again? They're not ready for launch. I I need to I I need them to get this done so I can actually play it. You know, and it's like, <laughs> but then I have to like kind of beat myself up and get through that process. Um, okay, so what's the new social platform after TikTok? What's next? Oh God, I could never, I could never answer that. Like, I am not it internet culture just moves so fast i'm like i don't know it could literally be anything at this rate i'd be like yeah that's not makes sense i don't know you could be like we're going all the way back to like live journal and myspace i'd be like okay sure i don't know okay (laughs) there's no going back with the internet it's 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 just a freight train forward it's true okay so um this is this is this is a lot of fun um but let's 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 go back right like let's let's I want to hear a little bit about your background and how you ended up, you know, working on this massive hit. How did you end up working in video games? And more specifically, how did you end up working with video game communities? Yeah. um, So I was, I grew up with like a very traditional, like Asian, like household upbringing, which was like, you're going to become a doctor, a lawyer, or dentist. Um, I And I went into school and I have my degree in sociology with a double minor in communications and social studies of medicine because I wanted to get into healthcare and kind of the communication side of that. Um, And also like to pay my way through university, I like had taken a bunch of jobs. And at the time, it's like a lot of, you know, startup companies will be like, oh, yeah, you're young. 
you know how Instagram works, you're hired. So that's kind of how I got my start with like the kind of social media marketing and digital marketing kind of stuff. Um, so I had experience from there. Um, I graduated, I had a mental breakdown and was like, I hate this and I don't want to do this in my life. Um, so, so I kind of, because like I had hit this kind of like rock bottom, um, I had basically was like, okay, what do I like doing? And I had always loved games. I was like, wouldn't it be cool if I could work in games, but I can't program. And then I realized, oh, games need marketing. Shock, <laughs> pure shock. <laughs> Who would have guessed? Um, so then, yeah. So then I just basically started applying for like so many game jobs, like just my like rejected, uh, I have a folder of rejected resumes it's long. It spans like three years of me applying to things and hoping to get in. Uh, and finally, I got into like an outsourcing company for games and I worked in community management there. Uh, I worked on a very large mobile game as part of like a big team. Um, but I didn't really feel like I was a part of the like actual development team, which was when I saw Kitfox was hiring a part-time community manager on Twitter. And I was like, screw it, screw this full-time job. I'm going to try this out. Did a uh, part-time with Kitfox for a while gone to full-time and then I uh, worked there for like four years and it was wonderful and I love it so much. Uh, and then last year, Innersloth approached me and we're like, hey, we've seen your stuff. We we like what you do. Do you want to work for us? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a very nutshell uh, explanation of how I got here. Talk about that decision, right? Like, can you, can you share, and we can mm. cut this if you don't, can you share what mobile game you were working on because I work on mobile games and they're, they're, oh, yeah, yeah. they can be fun and exhausting, right? Like it just depends on yeah. who you're working <laughs> with. They're usually made somewhere else. So you're far from the development team. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I I think I can say it. Yeah. I was working on, I don't know. Okay, so. If we need to cut it, we can. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's just, have you seen, have you seen those mobile game ads where it's like a, a narrative choice of like, and it's like a girl and like there's like yes. a guy in a bed and it's like, oh, like you're cheating on me. What do you do? Yes. Join them. Or yeah. like, yes, I didn't I didn't approve those ads just as I'm, I wasn't part of that. I wasn't part of that. I just helped their Instagram. Um, <laughs> I worked on episode. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, I mean, I'm dying. So is dying right now. OK, so I, I do want to go back to um, the decision to go from a full-time job to the part-time job. What was that like? What was the, um, like, what was kind of the mental math where you're like, this is the right risk at the right time. And because it, it obviously is, I mean, it paid off. Like you, you totally, mm -hmm. cause I, I look at these things like, so I started co-op mode communications in 2018 after I left riot and, you know, I had a job offer, but, um, and it was a cool job with a company that's grown a ton, but, where that job was and what I wanted to do as a consultant, I realized I had to make the bet on myself. That was kind mm -hmm. of my mental math. Like, no, I I can't bet on somebody else. I've got to bet on myself. I hear a little bit of that in your explaining, hey, I had this mm -hmm. job. It was good. But I saw this opportunity that I that you thought could accomplish what it has for you. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a difficult decision especially because I'm someone who one loves routine like as much as I know it's good for me to like try new things and whatever like oh god I just sometimes I just don't want to do that um and 
it yeah it was scary i think what really was the deciding factor for me like leaving um full-time to go to part-time was one like just getting a really good vibe from the kitbox uh team and like really admiring their work uh but also just like the thought that like okay if i'm going to be doing something like this then i'm going to work my ass off and hope and hope it really works out and it's like and if it doesn't work out i was at a stage where um like luckily like i had enough money saved up that i could be like okay this fails completely fine i'm sure i'm sure like hopefully i could like find another job or i could work with something else but i more than i love routine and more than i love like being comfortable it's like i love learning and trying out new things and this was one of those things that i really wanted to do um and i mean yeah it's i it's it's hard to say because like looking back i was like yeah that was definitely the right choice but there's no way there's no way i could have known that um but yeah it was it was partially a gamble and it was partially having to believe in myself and to know that i would have to put in the work Okay, so one of the questions I had was about content creation and specifically you as a content creator, right? Like I know you're doing all your work in social media and the community direction for for Inner Sloth and Among Us, but you also, you know, I, I think this is going to be your third time speaking at GDC. Is that right? More? Uh, did I miss yeah, some? Yeah, third, fourth. I mean, that's amazing. I don't know. That's I did it hard. once <laughs> and it was like terrifying and like, I'd like brag about it, but I'm I'm not like going back for seconds and thirds like you are. So I'm, I, I, I am very impressed by that, but you do other stuff too, right? You have your medium blog. I mean, you do tweet. Mm. And so like, you're clearly like a, a, you know, a voracious content creator. Um, you know, and that's, I mean, I get it. That's why I'm here. You know, that's why we created community feedback loop. I wanted a way to create content in a way that's fun for me. Um, and I, I, I used to be a journalist if, if you didn't know that. And, um, I love asking questions and I love telling mm -hmm. stories and I love hearing stories. Um, but you know, was that kind of part of the deal you made with yourself? Like, Hey, I've got to get into this too, because if I'm going to take this risk on myself, I have to also kind of, you know, do that part of it. Yeah. I really, I really wish it were that. And my real answer is I did it out of spite, like absolute spite. <laughs> Wait, okay. Because I didn't expect because that. <laughs> so here's the thing, right? I I fully understand. It's it's partially spite and partially me wanting to prove something, but I fully understand that what I talk about sounds so fluffy. I talk about creating kindness in communities. I talk about charming your communities. I know these are words we do not typically associate with like game communities or like, you know, just actual like you know I know people and I honestly do like we love the spreadsheets. We love the numbers. We like to see it go up. Like, is it actually working? Um, I understand like that is the thing that proves that that works and that convinces people. Right. And it's one thing to be like, I like love creating kindness in communities and having that ideal. But it's another thing to kind of implement it and actually prove that it works. So kind of the things that I've been trying to do is from people who have been like, I think this girl's full of sh oh, can I swear? Totally. I think. Fuck yeah. Okay, great. I, okay, great. So from some people being like, this girl's full of shit. Like she has no idea what she's doing. Like, you know, she like, and I get, I, I don't, you shouldn't say that, but, um, it's, it's that sort of thing where it's like, sure. I can say it in like a small scale thing where like everyone is 
kind like you know boyfriend dungeon is quite a like has a quite a diverse community and that's really great um but how can i like prove to people like no i'm not saying this and it's just like this one-off thing where somehow it kind of works for me i want it to work for other people and i want the culture of the ways that we talk to our game communities and how they talk to us to change and if i'm going to do that then i want to do it in a way that convinces people right um and if you're going to do that you need you need to talk in whatever language that they're going in. So that's kind of how my content creation started. And also, honestly, partially, uh, because when I started, I knew nothing about games, really. And I knew nothing about the industry, um, being able to write something and then have other people read it and understand it and learn and have some sort of resource was something that I wish I had. And I'm glad that I can give that to someone. Well, I think one of the I think there's something in your content that speaks to me about that whole, you know, where's the ROI, right? And yeah. community <laughs> in general. So we had uh Kristen Cox, who I used to work with a long time ago at Nexon. She's awesome. She does live ops. She works with Microsoft Xbox now. And she said, you know, something that I, I think is I appreciated, which is, you know, live ops is is not a discipline, it's a philosophy. I think hmm. Community is really the same thing. And it's like, mm-hmm. um, it's almost cult-like in that you either believe in it and <laughs> you like, you're going to adhere to the things that make a community better or you don't mm-hmm. believe in it and you're like, show me the money, right? And you're just like, you're yeah. kind of like old school marketing, sales and marketing guy that's like, but I need this on this sheet to explain mm-hmm. something to me in 90 days or else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think there's, but there's like value in both, right? I, it, it makes sense. Games are still a business. You still need to make money. You still need to like prove your work somehow. Um, so I understand that part, but I think it's, we've moved beyond this. Games aren't so new that like we can't learn to like, you know, shift the values and shift the culture and try to create like the better communities because like, I'm sure as many community managers can attest, it can be very exhausting sometimes. Um, And, you know, the industry only grows the more and more people you accept into it. And the more people who get interested in games, the better. So there's that. (laughs) I think that's an interesting point um, because that's that's a challenge. That's been a challenge for the gaming industry for a while now. Um, Do you think between the pandemic and just you know, the accessibility now with mobile, um, like, do you see that? Like, how does that look for you? Like, does it feel like it's changed a lot in the last couple of years, like in the last maybe 12 to 16 months, or are we still kind of stuck in our old ways as an industry? And we're, you know, we're just, we're not doing a good job of learning and growing and diversifying. I think we are. I think we're actually doing pretty well in learning and growing and diversifying. And I'm seeing that more and more in the indie game space, uh, right? Like the fact that we have the Wholesome Game Showcase that ha- that has been happening since, I don't know, three years ago, two years ago. I don't remember when they started. I um, mean, having them have like a prominent spot in E3 at some point was really cool to see. I think it, I think it is happening. It's slow, but it is slowly becoming not as like wild to be like oh gosh like finally there's another game other than animal crossing that i can play yeah i think i think we're gonna see this too and i, I 
I'm very much a believer in, in slow progress, um, Mm -hmm. across a lot of different things. Um, it's hard, right. When you're living it because you're like, but why can't we change now? Um, but I think that slow progress happens on, you know, and you talked about this at GDC, slow progress happens on the back of mistakes and failures and Mm -hmm. learning from them. When you did the talk about failure, um, you know, what was the response to that? And, um, you know, is it something that pe- it still resonates with people? Because I know I, I actually just went back and rewatched it. And, um, you know, it brought back all these things and how some failures I've managed really well. And I still talk about them. And then there's other failures that I like couldn't manage because mm-hmm. either maybe it just wasn't um, like I think you said in the talk, like it wasn't the right environment for me to manage the failure or I, maybe I just wasn't in the right mind state for it. Are, do you see that come back? Do people come back to you and go, Oh, you know, that was one that, that resonated with them. Yeah. I was actually really surprised by the response I got from it because I was like, I hope, I hope this is like something that other people uh, kind of connect with, because I know we talk a lot about success and people always want to hear about success. Right. Uh, But there's always like a certain survivorship bias to it or something like that. Uh, And failure is sometimes can be quite unique to whatever situation you're in. But then again, maybe that's also when success Anywho, um, I've gotten a lot of people like just being like, oh, like, thank you so much. Like I had like I just recently failed at this or this recently happened and I feel so much better. Or Like the fact that there is a recovery from it, because as social media is like, I think we always just see the highlight reels. You only hear about games that are successes, right? Because their successes, no one's really talking about their failures. Um, And a lot of people resonated with just like the message of failing and continuing to fail and it being okay. Uh, And it actually being a really fantastic way to learn. Um, And I think the the best part is, is just hearing people like share their kind of embarrassing stories with me and then feeling better about sharing it because it's no longer this like deep secret that has this hold over you, but something that you shared with someone who's someone who understands. I think it gets past a lot of like the shame and embarrassment of it and kind of helps you like grow out of it. Your talk reminded me, and so Shay and I are both big basketball fans it like reminded me of a classic Michael Jordan quote, which is I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. Um, And I think, you know, you know, games and sports are, I talk about them all the time and sometimes interchangeably to the detriment of my audience, because a lot of times those are two very different audiences. Um, Mm -hmm. but I, 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 that really stuck with me. Um, I mean, since I was a kid, that quote, um, and, and then I think that was kind of what I felt like when I was watching your talk and, and really like thinking about that. Right. But the, the one last part I want to really touch on and, and kind of hear more from you about is, you know, how do you, how do we get across to leaders and not just in community, but really in gaming, the need to build and manage culture and workplaces to encourage failure. Yeah, and that's that's like a harder one, right? Because this is an appeal to leadership. Right. <laughs> 
Um, but for me, it's like, that's, that's why, like, I think it's so important to talk about failure, especially if you're in a position where people have generally thought you've succeeded. Like, I, even though I personally do not feel it, I know a lot of people are like, you've done really well for yourself. I'm like, I don't think I have, but, um, it is imperative, I think, to like, like, be really honest with yourself and be honest with other people of like, hey, these are the ways I failed. These are the things that I went through. And the only reason I could do that and the only reason I'm where I'm at now was because a manager or a leader like encouraged it or supported me through it. And being able to like take those kinds of chances um, will usually result in something wonderful happening from it. Uh, if it is something that's like, oh no, like it didn't actually, like this contest didn't pan out as well as I thought it did. Honestly, it usually dies into obscurity and no one really, really cares about it um, or hears about it. Um, but yeah, I think as with like leadership and as with management, like you just have to trust your people. Like I don't understand it when people are in like leadership positions and don't trust the people that they hire under them. Because I think that, I don't know, then then, then what's the point of being a leader if you don't yeah. trust the people that you're working with? It's, it, it's super challenging. And now on the flip side of that, we have this, you know, I hate this phrase, but we have this cancel culture thing, right? We have this culture of, mm. uh, you know, like refusing to accept certain mistakes and look, some mistakes are, are frankly unforgivable, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, do you see that being, um, how, how do you separate those two? Because it's like, on one hand, we really want to encourage failure because failure allows for learning. On the other, we have to, we still, we, we're still in a place in, in society where, you know, we have to set pretty strict guidelines. We, we've, we're, we're, we're trying to elevate ourselves, I think. Yeah. And it's, there is a need to, you know, to progress, to move forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, so I don't know if you've seen uh, Bo Burnham's special Inside. Like half of it, maybe three quarters. Half of it. Okay. I, I got no, through sorry, about no, three quarters of it. It's good. I just... I'm sure it's not for everyone. <laughs> I'm sure it's yeah. not for everyone, which is fine. Um, but I think it's just, it's that idea of like, and this isn't, this isn't like to leadership. This isn't to cult. It's, it's culture in general, right? Of like, um, and I don't have an answer for this. It's like, well, one is like, do, does everyone need to voice their opinion at the exact same time, uh, all at once? And also, I think a book that I've been reading and that I don't, I sometimes don't know if I should recommend because it's a little bit untrustworthy as like a, a narrator, um, is Trust Me, I'm Lying. <laughs> Which is a book about media manipulation, right? And it's it's clear this author does not have a fond, like, does not really, I don't think, like, like journalists too much or, like, the structure of journalism too much. But it, it touches upon the thing of, like, how does, because of the ways that 
our structures have been built, right? And whether that's like social media, whether that's press, like a lot of it has moved from informing people to trying to sell ads because that's how they survive as an industry. Um, and how does that affect the way that we talk to each other? Um, what are the kinds of manipulation techniques they do to go viral, right? Like the one of the easiest ways to go viral is to make someone angry. The minute someone's angry, they're going to share it on their Twitter page. They're going to share it with their friends to talk about how angry they are with their friends about it. And then like, you know, clicks don't, clicks don't care. If you click onto a website to see what they wrote, you got like ads and there you go. That, that website got paid. Um, and I think it's just like a really interesting thought of like, this is why I want to talk about kindness in communities and talk more about just media literature and like learning how to interact with it. Um, I kind of went off topic there, I think, from your question, no. but it's something I think a lot about. No, yeah. well, it, it's funny because as you were talking about that, it triggered one of the, the things that I liked about your 2020 talk about kindness, which was... Um, let me see. I'm going to try to quote you. So forgive me if it's a, like a <laughs> paraphrase, but um, shame and embarrassment in public makes people more defensive than receptive to change. Mm. And that like mm-hmm. totally spoke to me just because like, mm-hmm. I remember, you know, working with the community and becoming the one shamed and embarrassed because I was the one that had to go out there and defend a decision that the studio made. And I actually agreed with the decision. It wasn't like I was like, yeah, guys, you're, mm-hmm. you're right. You know, it wasn't like that. It was, um, no, I, it was the right decision for the studio and the community. It was just an unpopular one. Um, mm-hmm. How did you learn that? Gosh, um, through so much. And I like this, I think what it was is I learned this one through my own work of like, I would notice how people would react in like, when I was working in like smaller discords, how people would react when they were publicly called out for breaking a rule. And they would work, they would warm their way in any shape possible, like any way possible to be like, but the rule says this. So technically what I said wasn't wrong. And it like, it would stretch. And then you would DM them and they'd be like, oh, yeah, I guess I see what you mean. And like, talk it out with you more. It's right. There's it. So it was partially from that. And also, honestly, just partially from my own experiences. I am quite anxious as a person, like when I am like in person, like meeting people and talking to people and whenever like someone, um, I don't know, whenever it feels like I've done something wrong, like I suddenly I feel myself like, put up this wall, and then I'm just not receptive to anything. So it's honestly just like, kind of knowing myself and be like, oh, like, I see this is like the response to it. Um, so it's just honestly so much experience being kind of a part of that, that made me go like, oh, okay, maybe we should, we should probably talk about this. No, I, I think about um, one of the mistakes I made in my career, I was working for an international company. I won't name the company, but people that know me will be able to figure it out. Um, and we would have these meetings and um, essentially, I was, I, I had to be taught that I was not really intended to talk in this meeting, and that w- the way I was behaving in the meeting was culturally misaligned, and that I was literally making everybody else uncomfortable. And I just didn't mm. know. I came from a journalism background where the newsroom was loud and obnoxious, and you said what you wanted as loud as you wanted, unless it was on deadline, and then you would have to, you know shut the fuck up. Um, but it was like, you know, 
it was open warfare. And if, and you had to kind of be comfortable in that environment because it's a newsroom and everything's moving fast. But, you know, when I got into the corporate world and, you know, I get into it for a few years and I just, just didn't even realize it. And I had to have, like, I was very lucky. I had a, a, a leader who like pulled me aside and was like, do you understand why this doesn't work the way you're behaving? And, um, yeah. Yeah. and I was lucky to learn it. Right. And I've, and I've, you know, I still have some of that bite in me from my, uh, my newsroom days, but I, I try to harness it <laughs> at least. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's also a good segue to what you're going to be talking about at GDC, which is charming your communities, because, you know, in this case I needed to be more charming to my coworkers. Um, and this isn't a new topic for you, right? Like you've, you've blogged about it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. It made me think about um, kind of the one of us concept, right? Like, uh, you mm. know, a lot of great social media work is like showing that you're kind of one of the community, like you're part of it. You're, you're, you get the inside jokes. Um, but I, I get the feeling that's not all you mean by charm. Yeah. So one of the things that I've been trying to communicate more is um, figuring out how you can actually connect with communities, right? It's one thing to say to do it. It's another thing to actually take steps to do it. Like, what does connecting actually mean? What do I say? All that kind of thing. And I've become like recently sort of obsessed with seeing how games input personality into the ways that they interact with their audience, whether that's in the games, whether that's in like uh, places outside of it, like on Twitter or on, I don't know, a website, like for example, um, the Undertale website, if you scroll all the way down to the bottom and you hover over the dog, it goes like bleh. <laughs> it sticks out its tongue and it's super cute and it's something that does not matter right it you would be fine if that website did not have that kind of feature there but it's the kind of thing that shows off a lot of the personality of the developer um, and kind of endears the community to you right because it's like oh you're putting in this extra effort that normally wouldn't matter but I found it and now like I I sort of like I'm like oh my goodness I love you so much more (laughs) um so when I talk about charming communities I mean making like these moments that really matter to them that stick with them I think we all like have these moments with games and it's not just like this the huge narrative which like you know is a big thing but for example I remember years ago I had tweeted at Juicy Beast because I really love Burrito Bison and this was kind of before I was in the industry I think or maybe just started and I was so excited that they responded to me like they had just responded and I was like oh my god they responded ah <laughs> and it just felt it meant so much that they just like noticed and I think that's it right the one of the biggest things that you can give to someone is your time and your attention because that's that is the most valuable resource we have so It's kind of like trying to talk about how do we create those moments? How do we kind of account for it more? um, And how do we really, really make people feel like that they matter in our communities? So that's a, that's such an important thing, I think, for all of us to learn, right? Like this idea that people when they're part of something, they want to be heard. They want to be noticed. They want to mm-hmm. contribute. Um, so one of the challenges I have, cause I kind of, you know, I dance between like very, I'm sure very similar to you or sometimes you're working with media, sometimes you're working with communities. Mm-hmm. So you got to kind of like switch, switch, hat, switch hats, think about what, is, what does that audience want? I mean, if you're marketing, maybe you're thinking about like, who's that audience we haven't captured yet. What do they need? What, what are their expectations? Um, and, you know, as an ex-journalist, 
I've been called a doubting Thomas by, by people I work with before. Right. And, mm-hmm. and the journalist in me is like, yeah, that's right. I don't fall for your BS. Right. Like there's a certain mm-hmm. level of pride there that journalists have, um, mm-hmm. which is all the more reason why, you know, I was laughing when you talked earlier about how sometimes journalists do fall for people's BS and how it seems to happen <laughs> in the same way over and over and over again. Right. Um, it's like people have kind of cracked the code on that a little bit. Um, but to the community side of things, I feel like cynicism is really dangerous, especially when you're a community manager, community director, community leader. And I have to like really try to park that, you know, I have to park that somewhere because, um, you know, you're, you're really working with two core audiences, your development team and, and your, and your players are not your players, but the players of the game. Um, and I, I, my experience is both sides kind of struggle with cynical outlooks. Mm. You know, like mm-hmm. it's it can be really emotionally burdensome for developers, sometimes because they want to be the cynics, sometimes because mm-hmm. they're so optimistic about their game that they just can't have that. Um, like they will view cynicism as negativity, not as like critical questioning. Um, and then obviously mm-hmm. with players, you know, it kind of goes back to like if you're setting the right if you're trying to be the leader, like, like you said earlier, you know, and you come from a cynical perspective, then that just means you're going to encourage more cynicism, which can then truly create negativity. So I guess short, short story long, you know, how have you avoided cynicism to date? And, you know, is that something that you think about? Does it concern you that, you know, cynicism, uh, you know, is something you need to manage? Yeah. Um, I do. I think I do have this because I, I know, I know relative to a lot of my colleagues, uh, in community spaces or in press or in all that kind of stuff, I am relatively new. Uh, so I still have like the starry eyed, like, oh, we can all be kind together. <laughs> I, think, I, I can, I can fully acknowledge that. Right. Um, but I think that's the thing. It's like, it's, it's, it's several things. It's one, like, I think we're all a little bit cynical. And it's okay to be a little bit cynical, right? You want to have some of that. Two, it is much easier to be cynical than it is to be kind, right? To continually believe in people, I think, is very difficult. And it's, to understand that, I think, is worth it. Um, three, I found, I find a lot of coping mechanisms to be outside of games. So I have friends who don't care about games at all and honestly that sort of resets my cynicism quite a bit uh because also like sometimes they'll talk about their industry bullshit and i'll be like this makes no sense to me like who cares and then i'll tell them the same thing about like i'll be like oh some gamers are angry that a game is on epic for free and they're like so oh you're right so what it's fine like no one's dying it's fine right so there, there's kind of that to give you perspective. Um, I think everyone kind of has to find their own thing. And honestly, I, I don't mind that, like, maybe I will become more cynical. I can't predict the future, but I don't mind being the person who's like, well, if I have, what is it? Not, what is the opposite of cynicism? If I have uh, hope or uh, whatever to spare and positivity to spare, then I will just, use it as much as I can now um, and hopefully like, you know, not burn out and in a sustainable way and 
continually do it. And then that kind of, you know, hopefully will set a chain of events like a butterfly effect where other people joining in can also pick that up. I don't think it's a thing where it's like, oh, I'm alone in this brigade and no one else is there to help me. Like there is a lot of wonderful people in games that can also do it and are doing the work and are putting in the work. Uh, and I think seeing that also inspires me. So it becomes this like cycle. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I may become a cynic. I hope not. I can't promise anything. <laughs> Optimism is the opposite of cynicism. That's what that is. Thank you, Shay. I um, could help. I thought yes, negative would be the opposite of optimism. Yeah, I thought so too. But maybe, maybe it's I looked like it up. Catch all. That's all. That's what Google says. Google's always right, right? It's true. Google's always right. Yeah, we can trust our Google overlord. Um. Oh, and also one last thing is that I, the community will always help you become not a cynic. Like, there's the terrible people for sure. But like, I have this folder of nice things that people have said to us. It brings me life every single day. I just like sometimes I'll just take a peek at it. I'll be like, oh. People are so nice and they treat each other so well and it's worth it. And yeah, I have a lot of little like tricks, I guess, to get past it. When I was working on um, Kerbal Space Program, I would just go on the subreddit because the subreddit was like literally everybody like I did this for the first time. And I know a lot of you have already done this, but I'm just so proud. And everyone would be like, welcome to the club, you know, or like, I remember the story. And it was just like, everybody was like, you know, the shared experience of like overcoming this challenge. Um, You know, and then I would go to the forums when I was like, needed like a, a, you know, a splash of cold water in my face because they were a little more angry about development. But Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. it was, you're totally right about that community element. I think that there is this opportunity to, to remind yourself like, what we do every day is pretty fun. It, it's pretty fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. It, the community makes it worth yeah. it. Always. Okay. So um, you touched on this in your last answer. Uh, you said, oh, I'm kind of new at this. Um, because, and I, I think what? So it's been about five years? Yeah, I think just under five years or around five okay. years. Yeah. So what's the biggest change you've seen in that time period? Oh boy. Um, I, I also had touched upon this previously, but it is the rise of, again, like people, some, there's that whole wholesome games discourse, but the rise of games that aren't just like shooty, make shoot face, murder, killing, which I still love, honestly. Like I, those, I usually play those games more, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, there's the, like, I think more diverse stories and more, um, people kind of creating the narratives that they want and finding an audience for that. And like, you know, the audience coming along with it, um, I think has been a really interesting thing that I've seen change. Okay. Um, I want to, okay. So now you're, you're, even though you're still kind of at the early stage of your career, um, I actually think there's some value because of where you're at and some insights that you can share that like, you know, like I've been in the game since 07 and I've been working since 2000. So I spent like seven years as a journalist. So um, now I feel old, um, but that's okay because it's fun. Um, what advice do you give to people that are like, Victoria, you're in the games industry. This is so awesome. How do I do it? <laughs> it depends on what job you want, right? 
but let's say let's narrow it down to community. Let's say you want to get a job in community, in which case I would say you need to prove that you can do the work. It's really easy to say that you love games. It's really easy to say literally like, you know, everyone loves games who works in the games industry, that sort of thing. Or everyone hates it, I guess. Anyways, what I find to be most valuable if you want to get into community is one, proving that you're able to do the work and are willing to like actively do the work. So whether or not that's like you moderating a subreddit or being a Twitch streamer and whatever, but also having like a thing. And I don't, it doesn't need to be the most unique thing, but you need to be able to uh, hyper-focus on, not super hyper-focus, like, you know, you need to know how to do the job, but also just like, I found that some community managers really are so good at video editing and some companies are like, I really want like someone who can do that or someone who can do graphic design and community management. Like community management borrows from so many different um, jobs, right? That like you could really input into anything. It depends also if you're indie, triple A, look at the job posts, see what they're asking for. That will give you a lot of context. or maybe there's one that's really like um, analytical based, in which case, like, sure, then work that. Um, there's just so many different ways you can do it uh, and ways you can spin community management that I think being able to identify what makes you like truly special from everyone else is a really good way of like getting into the industry. Oh, my gosh. OK, I love your answer. Um, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to edit it a little bit like I, do it. it's not a thing. It's a skill. Have a skill, Ooh, yes, right? Yes. Smart, like smart, smart. I came in with writing because I was a journalist. Yeah. Um, you know, Shay's going to come into the industry. He's part of you know he's growing into the industry as a podcaster, right? Uh, as a, as a, mm-hmm. as an audio editor, um, because literally you said like, oh, um, be a good video editor or be a good graphics center. And I was like, I literally like in my business need those things. Like I need to find people <laughs> that can help me with that because I can't do either of them, right? And I, mm-hmm. I have, you know, I'll have clients that are like, well, we can give you this thing. And I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do with that? Is it ready? You know, like, and it sucks because it's like, you know, I'm, I'm a small shop. I, I kind of have my focus mm-hmm. and my niche, but I would love to take that on. So I, I think you're totally right. Like build a skill and then you can grow from that. I think that's a wonderful answer. And the reason why I ask this question, like every time, and, um, I'm constantly looking for iterations. Like I always talk about, um, my answer, in case you haven't heard it already, Shay has like a thousand times, is uh, if you want to make a game, mod one. Go be a modder mm-hmm. because it proves that you understand what an audience cares about and it proves that you can do something commercial. Because mm-hmm. if you have a mod that gets like, you know, hundreds of thousands or potentially millions of uses, um, you know, game companies go like, oh, these guys get it. Like this, you know, or these people get yeah. it, I should say. Um, so, I love that. Have a skill. That's a great one. Um, that's a great one. So anyone that's 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 looking to get in the industry, develop a skill. Okay. Um, I think we're kind of at the point where we're going to like start to wrap everything up. I mean, I could probably talk to you for another hour, but I want to be cognizant that it's Friday right. afternoon. <laughs> I actually have some <laughs> deadlines to hit myself. I'm sure you do too. Um, you have a big community to manage. Um, so we always kind of ask these questions. Um, the the first one kind of comes back to um, it's totally self serving. Um, I used to be a journalist, and I always think about all the knowledge I've gained by like 
going to work for businesses, being PR and community. And I, I always think like, man, if I had some of this knowledge, like, you know, when I was a journalist, I would have written such better stories and I would have like <laughs> built, built better relationships with the right people in like the clubhouse environment. Cause I was a sports journalist. Um, what's the biggest thing, you know, now that you didn't know, we'll say when you started and you wish you did. Oh, I could answer so many things for this. So I'm like going to have to, I'm going to have to pick one. Um, I would say and this is for me personally, right? And I know we just talked about building a skill. But for me, it was how important writing would be. Like, so, so important. Especially, like, communicating, like, writing devlogs, talking to people, like, on Discord even, and being able to adapt your language and understand how people talk and what they mean. And is it sarcasm? Is it not sarcasm? How are you writing? Um, how do you not sound cringy? And also copywriting, because that's a very different form of writing and editing, like there is just so much to writing that I was like, I, I think I'm a good writer. And then I learned that I was like, oh, I really need to like beef up my writing skill. Uh, I think that is something that has helped me get to where I am, especially because like, you know, I write blogs, I write talks, like getting your point across, huge, huge skill. Yeah, I mean, it, as someone that literally got paid to write, you know, at a, at a newspaper, um, I can't, I can't, uh, agree with you more. It's, it's, it's like a, but, but I will say this, like writing is like a never ending journey. It's like something you're going to, you're just going to like incrementally improve That's every discipline actually. Yeah, I mean, probably, you're probably right. Right. I mean, it's like, it, it's totally that skill development thing, but I, I do agree with you that the sooner people pick up how important it is the faster they get to work on it. Right. And, um, mm -hmm. and that's, mm -hmm. that's really fun. Okay. So, um, that's a great answer. Uh, we, we, you know, writing, getting better at it faster means write more. Um, let's talk something a little more fun though. What, what games are you currently playing? We'll, we'll kind of go around the horn on that. Uh, but we'll let you go first. Yeah. So I am an avid indie gamer for obvious reasons. Um, PAX Online is currently happening as we record this. And there is a game called Peglin that has captured my attention. And it just, it's not out yet. There's a demo. And it's basically a mix between a pachinko game and a roguelike. So it, think like Peggle. So like, it's, it's wild. Like, so you basically, it's like, you know, like a pachinko game, like, or like Peggle, like you shoot a ball down and it hits the pegs and wherever it lands, like whatever. Um, and how many pegs you get? Uh, determines how much damage you're going to do to the monster above and it basically like shoots it and there's different orbs that like do have different effects there's like bombs there's explosives there's a whole roguelike element to it uh because it resets if like you die um it is a lot of fun i am highly enjoying it right now okay wait say the name one more time peglin so p-e-g-l-i-n okay it makes me think of but what was it? Pazu? Puzzles and Dragons, too, a little bit, where it's got the... Oh, yeah, I could see that, too. Know, yeah, I was it's, obsessed with it's that similar game. in that it's, has, like, the monsters. Yeah, um, yeah I just love games that uh, mix up genres. I find that really delightful, like Boyfriend Dungeon. <laughs> 
Um, it's it's something that yeah that I really love. And Battle Chef Brigade had it like the kind of genre mixing. I'm I am I am a sucker for those games. Okay, Shay, what are you playing these days? Uh, similar last time, Apex, PGA Tour, 2K21, uh, booted back up Star Wars Squadrons a couple days ago, played that through for a while, and uh, still been messing around on the Scavengers beta for a little bit right now, oh, but that's it. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I know some of the marketing people over there um, uh, on the improbable side, um, so I'm sure they're very happy to have you in their plane. Um, I am like one track mind right now. I mean, I'm still touching... Um, I'm not actually playing Mario Golf. I've been playing this Clap Hands Golf. It's some weird Apple Arcade game, but it's on my iPad. So I like the touchscreen uh, over the Switch. I, it, it makes no sense. I can't explain it. But but frankly, I'm not even playing that right now. I'm just playing PUBG. I'm obsessed with Tego, the new map. <laughs> I've had two second place solo finishes, and they were both like horrible, like crush soul crushing losses in the same way, like in different ways. Like one was, I didn't have the advantage and I was like, well, maybe I could have played it smarter, but I was, it was a really tough spot. The other, I had the advantage and just couldn't hit the shot. So, uh, my obsession with PUBG continues, um, closing in on way too many hours of that game. So, uh, but I do need to start playing some more indie games, Victoria. So, uh, Peglin sounds like something I need to, um, keep a very close eye on. For sure, for sure. Okay, last question. This is um, a fun one. Uh, what is a fascinating community that you're not currently working with or on that's drawing your attention? Yes. Um, so this will probably be a little bit confusing because the studio name is Co-op. K-O underscore O-P. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're working on a game for the PS5. It's called Goodbye Volcano High. And they have the most fascinating Discord. I love it. Like they have um, a Discord full of bots and there's like a whole like scrapbook sticker adventure you can play in there. They have a bot that like you can create music. Like if you hit like different uh, emotes or something, like it'll create this like MP3 file uh, of like what you created. And I think they're doing really cool like experimental things. with their discord channel that I'm like, I'm like digging through it. I'm like, Ooh, it's so cool. Uh, yeah. I find a lot of inspiration from like indie games personally. Uh, and also if I can like also say like a community that just isn't related to games at all, I am fascinated. I am super fascinated by influencer culture. I don't really like being a part of it honestly but just like analyzing the ways that they talk to their community and everything i'm like this is weird this is weird and i kind of want to analyze that more is there anybody that you're really paying attention to because i totally agree with you but i don't even know where to begin yeah it's hard to say i'll i'll say um influencers that like i enjoy watching and that like all that um there is this uh youtuber her name is there's there's several actually but there's one youtuber called kelly stamps and she just does like life stories like she just vlogs and she'll be like 
here I am in Florida traveling and it's actually just her in her apartment and she's just pretending she's in Florida. And it's really interesting. And she has this energy to her that is like, I'm queen of the world and I believe it. Wow. <laughs> I, I find just like the ways people convey themselves online to be the most fascinating thing and being able to analyze why it works and like why their community is like following them, I think is super cool. All right. Well, um, I, I want to plug your GDC talk about charming your community. Um, it's going to be running Thursday, July 22nd from 3.40 to 4.10. And of course, it'll be on the GDC vault at some point after the live talk. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. Uh, Victoria, thank you so much for joining us on the Community Feedback Loop. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a ton of fun. That's all for our show today. Thank you so much for listening to the Community Feedback Loop podcast. You can listen to previous episodes for more conversations with other amazing people we've met in the video games industry. And please subscribe to Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify to support the show. We'll catch you next week.